Hi guys, thanks so much for listening to Library Overload. This is Susie. And this is Tavia. Don't forget, you can check out our blog where I'll list all the books we talk about in every episode. You can find us at libraryoverload.home.blog. And then you can also check us out on Instagram. We are just Library Overload there. guys welcome to february yay the month of love love we are loving reading does that count (laughs) always always yes well we are just continuing on in our read whatever you want to read theme hey i'm on brand now for february (laughs) Yes, Susie has still read nothing but romance, so shocking no one. Marvelous. I'm so happy. You're participating in a romance challenge now, aren't you? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, let me find her really quick. I vaguely want to participate, but I'm nowhere near where you are, so I'll just let you talk about it. So I follow a few Bookstagram accounts, and there's one called Rate the Romance. And I love them. Whoever it is that runs it, she has a year of smut template in her, I don't know what it's called when like you save stuff on your, your profile on Instagram. It's like stories, something like that, I think, but she's got a, my year of smut and it's a template and you can choose like how many you want. And it gives you like a bunch of different challenge, like a bunch of, um, it almost looks like a bingo type card, but it's like yeah. bigger. Yeah, but I the one that I'm doing has 40 different um, prompts. Thank you. That's, You're halfway that's there. Um, yeah, so the one I'm doing is like 40 different prompts in it. And it's so cute because I've got the template saved to my iPad. And I go and like save a picture of the cover and then like put put it in the template and it's just so precious (laughs) you're a nerd (laughs) um I know but I um I've been you know doing it and like there's several that like I've just been reading and I didn't find it until a couple of weeks ago and I already had a few books that I had read that fit some prompts yes um so I've been filling it in um so it's super cute it's the Instagram handle is rate the romance she does so many uh, suggestions. Uh, she reviews Even books. created a Goodreads um, yes. group with suggestions. Yes. And it's awesome. I love this account. I've gotten so many good book suggestions from them. Love it so much. They'll give you like, even like the smut factor. They give you so many, st- like they'll rate how many stars the smuttiness was in a book. And I am very much on board for that kind of review. Um, But yeah, I don't even know how I found them, but I love the account. I follow it on my own personal page and I, I adore it. Maybe we'll tag that on the blog um, and you can post your challenge thus far on our Instagram page. I will. Yeah, that would be fun. I only have two, two on mine. Because I've actually been reading some other stuff as well. But uh, 
you're probably like halfway there already. I haven't I haven't updated it in a couple of weeks. I got a little crazy um whenever I was texting you maybe last week or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I only have five prompts filled in, but I know that I've got a couple of ex I've got a few books that I can go ahead and put in prompts. It's just so cute. I love you're it. Cute. I know. <laughs> um okay. All right, since I have been reading all of the things, romance, I'll be going first. Um, so hilariously, I am, I went back and read the first Hot and Hammered book. <laughs> Spectacular. Um, and, <laughs> and this one is called Fix Her Up. The Again, the series is by Tessa Bailey. I actually really liked this one and I'm a little bummed now that I started with the third one because it was kind of like jumping in the middle of a series that's like a comedy like you don't really have to know what's been going on but you miss the um like the jokes and stuff you don't Mm -hmm. really get all of the inside jokes and all of that so I'm a little bummed that I missed starting from the beginning but uh, Fixer Up follows Travis Ford and Georgette Castle. Uh, Georgette Castle is the youngest of the Castle family. They're the ones that have the HGTV type flipper flop kind of um, business going on. Well, Georgette never went into the family business. She is an actual literal clown. She is a clown for children's birthday parties and things like that. But she dreams of being so much more. Because of her being a clown, her family, and because she is the youngest in the family, her family kind of treats her still like a kid, even though she's an adult with a home of her own and things like that. But she's still kind of cheated, treated like the castle kid. So, um, in this we meet Travis Ford. He grew up on the island. I think it's like Staten Island, kind of. He grew up there with the Castle family. He and the Castle brother, which, of course, I can't remember his name now. But Travis and Georgette's older brother are really close. Travis ended up going into Major League Baseball. But he recently had an injury so bad that he was forced to retire way too early. So he's come back home kind of licking his wounds, real pitiful about it. And Georgette decides that she's going to try to help him feel better like he get she finally gets him out of his apartment she cleans it he's been just wallowing in misery for weeks and so Travis starts working with the family flipping houses and doing that because he did that as a teenager so he remembers all of it well he gets a phone call from his agent and there's like NBC wants him to come and be a um uh, an announcer, or not an announcer, um, a, I guess a sports announcer of some kind for baseball. An um, on-air personality, perhaps? That. And But he says that he really needs to clean up his, his personal life. And so, obviously, he and Georgette decide that they're going to fake dates because she's a clown. She is not someone that's going to look at her and be like, oh, you're with her? Like, she's so innocent, And so sweet. And she's such a good um, person to be around that he's like, you're the perfect person to help my um, help these the people that are trying thinking about hiring me 
think that I've got my my stuff together. Hope hope is image. That I'm not with the words. Just don't work. They don't, but they make for great fiction. They do. Is it becoming one of your favorite tropes? You've read a lot of them recently. I know. Well, I mean, it's in a lot of of romance. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what my favorite one would be. Except the bed, the bed thing. Other than the bed thing. I do love the bed thing. Um, But anyways, they fake date. Obviously, it goes awry. Um, But I will tell y'all, the dirty talking in this book. Oh, yeah, you text me about it. I remember. Was out of control. I was sitting here fanning. I was like, dear Lord, it's a lot. Um, So smut factor on that, way high. Um, but it was it was so funny, like it was so cute. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, that's good. Yes, it was I'm fun glad times. that you enjoyed it. I am glad that I jumped back in on the hot and hammered train. Yes, I am so glad. <laughs> I have an equally hilarious book title in my to talk yes. about today, so maybe you can give me a little mockery back. <laughs> I don't mind. I enjoy it. Well. My first one, I actually also read a romance, um, if you can consider this a romance, um, Beautiful Bastard, and that's by Christina Lauren. I have read that one. I forgot that it was by them. Really? You've read it? Yeah. I'm intrigued Years to see what ago. you think. Yeah. Okay, so it was originally published, or it was published in 2013, but it was originally published as fan fiction, um called The Office, and it was downloaded and read over two million times, so then someone got in contact with them, and they re-kind of packaged it a little bit as a book and published it. So is that how Christina Lauren kind of came about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is their very first book. Interesting. Yes. You know, I honestly, I didn't love it. I was going to talk to you about it, because I have things to say about it myself. I thought, you know, it's called Beautiful Bastard, and he was quite one. Yeah, so it's about Chloe Mills, and she is an intern working on her MBA, and she's working at this uh, media firm, and her boss is Bennett Ryan, who has just come back from overseas to take over a role in his family's um, company, and it's like she's doing marketing, or they're marketing as part of the media, the media company or whatever. Y'all know I love Christina Lauren. Like, I love them so much, but I could tell that this was their first book. Mm. I did not, I did not love it. Okay, my first problem was that it was 96% smut and, like, 4% plot. So, like, we start smut on, like, the third page of the book. Yeah. And I love smut, but I need some realistic smut, okay? So... She's in the conference room. She is preparing a little presentation. And all of a sudden, her boss is, like, feeling her up in the conference room at work. And she doesn't have a problem with this, even though she hates him. Mm -hmm. Um, Negative. Then they're having sex in the stair stairwell and on the elevator. And I'm like, this is not realistic. People don't just have such uncontrollable lust that they must mate in the stairwell. Right? I mean, when literally anyone could come up the stairs at any I minute. Know. Like, I mean, I get the, the, the getting caught, the being in public, but like 
on the elevator or in the stairwell or in the conference room up against the glass. Like, no. It was a lot. I just remember being bothered by the fact that she was, she was sexing this dude up, but she so, like, viscerally hated him. Really hated him. They hate each other, but they have this chemistry that they can't keep away from each other. And it's like, this is the definition of toxic right here. Yeah, not a fan. Super, super toxic. Yeah, and And I know that there's there's a thing that people talk about, like, hate sex. Never in my life have I wanted to sex up someone Right. That I hate it. And he demeans her mm-hmm. so much. And it's and the like, littles. She's talking about it in a way that it's making her a better employee. But I'm like, no, there's a difference between being a good boss that demands, you know, respect or demands excellent work and then belittling someone. Yeah. And then you're still going back because the sex is so good. And I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe I'm having the wrong kind of sex. but that has not been my experience you know I mean yeah I just find it and the fact that there was so little plot and what plot was there was toxic Mm -hmm. then they go away on this like work retreat and they're in the hotel room for days like not actually doing any work and then they they throw in the fact that her dad gets sick but it's kind of like a a sub point that's really not even a thing and I I don't know. I love everything else they've ever written. I did not love this. I, I, I didn't actually I think I gave it two and a half to three stars. I can't remember. There was That's a lot of smut. It was mm, it just it was unrealistic. It was not mm-hmm. it was it was unrealistic. It was toxic relationship. It was it just mm-hmm. it, it wasn't well written in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And knowing how much better they do later on I can appreciate this for what it is. I don't have to like everything they do. But I can tell this was their first work. And I love how they have evolved Mm -hmm. into creating characters that are realistic, that are relatable, and books that are really enjoyable and have enough plot and story to balance out the smut factor. This one, not so much. And and like you said, like, I, I get it that it was their first one. And it was created as fan fiction. And so it wasn't, you know, really, like really edited the way that normal books are and things like that. So yeah, I I agree with your assessment on that. Like (laughs) obviously they have grown because they are big time sellers now. Right. And they did a whole series on this, this beautiful bastard series. Um, But I can't, I wanted to go back and read their whole backlog and now I can't, I don't think I can. I, I, I'm not certain about finishing this series out. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just going to skip ahead to the stuff that I know is better. Mm-hmm. I but, think I, I love them one of so those. much, which is crazy. I think I own one of the others in the series. I think I got it at the used bookstore for super mm-hmm. cheap. Yeah, I can see it, but I can't read it. But yeah, I um I was not a fan of it either. Yeah. Uh, it sounded so so good and so right. smutty, but it was just. Ugh. I mean, it was definitely smutty. I mean, we're but talking not- about like. The yeah. third page. Basically, I know your names and you're having sex already. I know. Yeah. I'm I'm not in it for that kind of. Yeah. I need some story in there. I do. I need, I need them to like each other a smidge. Right. right. I need it to not be toxic. Um, yeah. You know. 
which is a struggle for me because I was so mad the whole time I was reading it. I was, I was like, but I love them. Why are they doing this to me? But I can see that it's, I can see in having read what I've read, the progression of their writing. And I appreciate it so much more because now I know where they started. And right. I like that. Yeah, I totally get it. My next book is the second in the Hot and Hammered. Guys, I just went on just a, like a blitz. Um, so, but this is the last one of the Hot and Hammered series, which I'm very kind of sad about. Uh, because I actually... So there were only thoroughly, three of them? Yeah. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. I, did, I looked to see, but there's not one that's like, wh- is going to be published or anything like that. So I'm kind of bummed about. But um, this is Love Her or Lose Her. And this one was actually not about a castle sibling. This is Georgette's friend Rosie and her husband, Dominic. So Rosie and Dominic were high school sweethearts. They've been together for 10 years now. And it's gotten to the point where when she comes home for work, she's lucky if she gets like a caveman grunt at her. And it's just she cooks dinner. He watches TV. They go to bed. That's life now. And it's she's so unsatisfied with her marriage. And she's so, well, not all parts of her marriage. Just the talking parts of her marriage. Everything else in her marriage is phenomenal. But she obviously wants more than just sex out of her husband. And so when she gets home one night, she finally, like, it kind of, like, clicks in her head. They're like, this is it. For the rest of my life, I live with a man who is no longer the person that I fell in love with. And she's like, you know what? I'm done. Walks out the door and leaves. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they have not spoken about their issues. So Dominic's like, I thought we were fine. (laughs) Like a dude. And so uh, he finally does come and try to talk her into coming back home. And she's like, no. And so finally they have this discussion, like, this is what's wrong in our marriage. And Dominic just literally thought that everything was fine. Like, he just had no clue that marriage should be more um, than just sex twice a week. So um, Rosie is like, you know what? Fine. We'll work on our marriage. And But I want to go to the, like, the craziest, kookiest marriage counselor that I can find I'm talking crystals I'm talking we're gonna sit on fluffy pillows and talk about our feelings and Dominic is was in the military he's a man's man he doesn't talk about his feelings much less go to therapy and he says yes calls her bluff and she's like well crap (laughs) so they go to like this kooky marriage counselor just hilarious he's so nuts um And they start to work on their marriage. And it's beautiful. You know I love that. I love when a couple that is married is trying to claw their way back. Right. That's one of your things that you love. love Instead of romance, focusing on the new parts. Yes. I like when marriages try to work out. Love that. So it's really good. The only thing, and this is going to sound so stupid, but it kept driving me nuts. You know, everybody has like nicknames for their you know, their person. I know mine and Chris's nicknames for each other are so stupid, but it's ours. And so it's fine. But he keeps Dominic calls Rosie honey girl, not honey, 
honey girl the whole time. And I'm like, I kind of hate it. Yeah. The whole time it kept bugging me. Yeah. Only thing I had a problem with, <laughs> but it bugged me. It reminds me, we're binge watching The Amazing Race. And um, we were one of the seasons we just finished. This one couple, they fought like a lot. But they called each other Angel. And it drove me nuts. I mean, like, Angel, and then a bunch I of hates you. expletives, yeah. you know. <laughs> like it doesn't work for me. But also, I made Daniel promise if we ever went on there, he would actually call me my, my, my name. I was like, no nicknames, no babe, no honey. Like, mm-hmm. please just call me my name. I'm a person. Let's, you know. See, Chris and I call each other nicknames so much that one time I was actually like, Chris, can you do this? And he was like, are you mad at me? Are we okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We we don't use nicknames a ton, except when Daniel says "sweetie," I know he's mad at me. Because <laughs> I know, like, da- sweetie. <laughs> I know Daniel's mad at me when he goes, "You know, I love you," <laughs> but and I'm like, "Can you not?" Right? Can it's you anxiety. Just say what's wrong? <laughs> yes, because he'll pause. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, one of his other ones says, let's have a chat. When he says, let's have a chat. No. no. <laughs> I go. don't want to. <laughs> Funny. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't happen all that often. Just for the record, my marriage is fine. <laughs> it's like this. And sometimes he doesn't even mean to do it. He just, like, it, I think one he does. Time, you know, and so he knows that I have anxiety. And sometimes he tries to mess with me about it. But in a loving way. Um, to help me, sure, <laughs> I mean, can, sure. I'm just digging this hole. He's actually a wonderful, <laughs> loving husband. He is super supportive and super wonderful. Please don't misunderstand me. Okay, speaking of my husband, I'm going to move into the next book that I read, and things are going to get a little serious. But I think that this subject needs to be approached with some respect and some like you know, focus. So it's a little, it's different. Okay. So I read Hillbilly Elegy, a memoir of a family and culture in crisis by J.D. Vance. And I read this at the recommendation of my husband who watched the movie. And he said the movie would be insight into his childhood and his life. And I have cleared it with him to talk about this on air he gave me permission um but he did not have a good childhood he did not have a good upbringing he was the product of um a parent who was struggling with addiction his whole life um he was beaten as a child and come from a very poor family and he said that this movie was very insightful about his life and about his experience. So I should watch the movie. And naturally I said, well, I'll read the book because I'm me. So this is a true story. J.D. Vance actually lived through this. Um, And it's about his life, but it's also told with a bit of a political lens about the disintegration of the white working class Americans. So it was really interesting in lots of different facets. And it's not that big of a book. It's only about 276 pages. And I I kind of think maybe reading it when it was published. It was published in 2016 before 
Trumpism happened, I think maybe reading it there would have been a little intriguing too, because I think there's a different filter I'm reading it with now, hmm. um, which is interesting. Lots of people are equating it to how to understand Trumpism. I didn't quite catch that, but I looked at it less of a political work and more of a memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is what I would have taken it as, too. Right, right. But the the first part of it read a lot like the history of my family. So he goes back in time a little bit and he talks about post-war Appalachia and the lack of jobs and how the economy was so terrible there that there was a mass, mass migration of hillbillies to the north for jobs. So I know that in the 40s, my great-grandfather moved his family to Ohio for a while, and then they moved back. And then I know when my grandmother and my grandfather were married, this was in 59, I talked to her about it, 1959, they moved to Dayton, Ohio, and that's actually where my mom was born. So there were no jobs in this area, so everyone left. And then you go and you kind of achieve this dream of the of the American dream, and you can get to this middle-class status, but then as the manufacturing jobs go overseas and over places like that, that dries up. And you're left in this, like, poverty-stricken, you know, stagnant, there's no upward mobility anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's also about, and that was, like, the end of where it resembled my family, just for the record. <laughs> um, but then it talks about the legacy of abuse in families. So... His grandmother and grandfather were toxic. They were very much in love at one point, but through poverty and loss and moving away from family and everything, the grandfather becomes an alcoholic, and the grandmother is really vindictive about it. So at one point, she says, if you come home drunk again, I'm going to kill you. And he comes home drunk, falls asleep on the couch, and she pours gasoline all over him and lights him on fire. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, or if he complains about dinner, she'll get out garbage and put it on the plate and put it in front of him. Like, it's real toxic behavior. Is the grandmother the one that Glenn Close yes. plays? Okay. Memma. And that's a, I didn't quite catch on so much, but apparently Memma and Papa, which is what I call my grandparents, are, it's a, it's an Appalachian type hillbilly phrase. Hmm. Like people outside of this area are like grandma, grandpa, nana, things like that. I didn't really understand that until mine were was said. Um, mine were grammy and papa yeah but they were more south right they weren't yeah we were down close to region. savannah yeah yeah so maybe you're just an outsider you don't get it maybe <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so the three kids there's two two sisters and the son and <clears throat> They have watched all of this abuse and all of this stuff. So fast forward and the mom, uh, JD's mom, ends up addicted to drugs, um, prescription pills. And he talks about his unstable childhood. She ends up married five times. There's a host of other revolving boyfriends in between and the the instability that comes with that and how you can see in his academic record, the turmoil in the life. Well, later in life, the grandfather stops drinking and him and the grandmother reconcile. And they 
after the grandfather has stopped drinking, provide a stable environment for JD to thrive in. And once the grandma steps in and takes over, his grades go up. Mm -hmm. And that is how he is able to get out of this situation. He eventually goes to the Marines because he feels like he's not ready for college right out of high school. Spends four years in the Marines, which he loves. So it made him, you know, a, a responsible adult and showed him how to live outside of the hillbilly culture. And then he goes to Ohio State and he eventually goes to Yale Law School. And so he gets out of this, but it then he's able to look back on it about the the legacy and the cycle of abuse and how it continues this cycle and how even in his own marriage, he sees the patterns of what has happened. And he said, you know, most people can't get out of this. And so there was a study that said um, that white working class Americans are the group that is the most pessimistic. They feel like, like they, the person asks said that they feel like they are financially worse off than their parents and their kids will be financially worse off than they are. And that's the only ethnic group polled that felt that way. Hmm. Um, which is, you know, interesting, but he also attributes it to the lack of willingness to work. And he talks about the politics of all of that, but I took from it mostly, I guess, because of the perspective I wanted to, because Daniel told me to read it of his struggle and how this generation damaged this generation damaged this generation Mm -hmm. and how it was a struggle to get out um and how how much responsibility do you place on your own actions versus your family's situations Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, J.D. says that he only thinks it's partially a, span- a family responsibility, but mostly it's your choices and how you choose to handle it. Because, like, his mom's older brother is fine. He got out. He didn't have any, you know, trauma mm-hmm. or whatever. But she was the baby. And he he thinks she, like, took the brunt of it. Um, and so she developed addiction as a result to kind of, like, help cope. Mm-hmm. And... It, it was just, it was really enlightening. It's really intriguing. It's really, really sad. Um, his grandpa dies when he's like 14 and then the family just kind of falls apart. Um, and it was good. It was, it was a good story. I gave it four stars. I, I was oscillating between three and a half and four because I'll never read it again. It's not something I would have typically picked up, but it was well told and well laid out and I understood the argument and I understood the culture I understood the the lifestyle and I felt empathy for the situation and it it was inspiring in understanding how my husband interacts with the world and understanding Uh where he came from what triggers him in that type of way and how his responses to things are directly related to growing up with a parent who had an addiction and mm-hmm. who was an abusive person. So it was, it was really interesting. Yeah. It's not going to be for everybody. I will just tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I haven't picked it up because I know it's heavy and it, I'm just mm-mm. very, it was very heavy. Um, and I wasn't going to pick it up either, but Daniel watched the movie and said that I should read, or he said I should watch the movie. And obviously I disagreed and read the book first. <laughs> um, and I think 
the movie, uh, it's got Amy Adams and Glenn Close, and I think they take most of the political aspect out of it and focus and on the family just and a memoir, yeah. Which I think will be enjoyable. We're going to watch it, I think, today. We're going to watch the movie. But the political aspect of it in today's political culture was really interesting to read about. But, I, you know, I, I viewed it with the Trumpism filter mm-hmm. that, that we see now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying this 100%. I feel like still there is some accountability issues going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, was, it was really good. It, I, I will never read it again. It is not going to be like a fan favorite or something, you know. Um, but it was it was interesting. It was good. And I cried a lot. I cried a whole lot. I cried I for him. I cried for, for Daniel. I cried for a lot of people. So, you know. It was yeah. Happy. I saw you reading it and I was like, oh, my yeah. best to you. Ugh. Yeah. And like I said, I, I only picked it up at his recommendation because who who doesn't want to understand their spouse better, you know? Like, if he says to you, this is going to help you understand me better, how do you not, you know? Right. How do you not read it? So, I'm glad that I read it, and it makes sense to me. There are things that I will never understand. Even reading it, there are things that I will never be able to understand. But having uh, any sort of better understanding makes it easier. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to lighten it back up for us? I will do that <laughs> with Undercover Bromance. <laughs> All right. Undercover Bromance. Lay it on me. <laughs> so, um, this is the second book in the Bromance Book Club series. This one follows Brayden, and he is kind of the guy that started the Bromance Book Club. He um, he started reading romances when he was younger, and he realized that this was, in not a creepy way, but this was kind of a way to help him understand women and all of that. But because he's read so many romances and because he's kind of taken all of his dating tips and tricks from them, he comes across as disingenuous. When he's dating someone, he is far too perfect. He is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it comes across as superficial. Um, and so he keeps just getting his heart broken. We, we start the book off with he, he has been dating someone for about three months now and he's ready to ask her if she's wanting to be exclusive with him and it crashes and burns. Mm-hmm. Um, because the man, is like trying to impress her in all the wrong ways. Like Aww. instead of like, um, instead of just being himself and taking a girl out on just like a fun date where they can have fun and laugh and stuff. He takes her to like this very expensive, classy restaurant. And it's very clearly to you, the reader that this is not at all. It's something that she's interested in. Um, but he just, he doesn't have a clue. He just thinks this is what women want. Um, so Liv is the pastry chef at this very fancy restaurant that they're eating at. And she gets fired after dropping the $1,000 cupcake that he orders. And <laughs> $1,000 cupcake. I swear to God. 
Um, so she gets it fired. It better do more than just taste good. It better give you some kind of it other has, feels. It has gold in it. Like, it's I don't just think ridiculous. it's healthy to eat gold. That's like the gold flakes. Um, but yeah, so she gets fired after dropping the cupcake. And she ends up catching her boss sexually harassing one of the hostesses. And it just just pours gas on the fire. And he's decided that he's just going to blacklist her from every restaurant in Nashville. And she even gets a few interviews lined up. But then they promptly, like, call her back. And they're like, oh, sorry, the position's been filled. So Liv and Brayden. I think Mary Tyler, or not Mary Tyler, Mary Poppins. The position's been filled. (laughs) (laughs) And she's talking to the little dog. The dog. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I derailed that. Go ahead. (laughs) Um. So Brayden, so Liv ends up telling Brayden what she witnessed and kind of what's going on with her. And so he tells her, like, I am here. I'm, I'll help. Like, whatever you need me to do, I will help you expose him. Um, all of this. Because that chef is like a celebrity chef. Everyone thinks he's so wonderful. And he's just trash. So in teaming up together to kind of fight this bad guy they start to have feelings for each other. And I love it because in the first bromance book club book, Brayden is just the guy that knows everything. He's very suave. He's very like, you know, his hair never gets messed up and he's always got his act together. But in this live really gets under his skin and he's just so stressed out and he doesn't know what to do all the time. And it's just like, you get to see him as an actual person and you get to see all the guys in his, in his book club like helping him out when normally he's helping others and it was just so funny there is a Russian hockey player in the bromance book club and I swear to god he's hilarious um Liv lives lives on a farm and he befriends a chicken that lives on the farm and it's just I was straight up cackling at this Russian and I am so excited because the Russian is going to be in book four of this nice. book club. Well, that's fun. so excited about how many him. of those are there. I think there's four, and I think the fourth one comes out this summer. Ooh. Um, so I have one more to read before the next one comes out. But I just I think they're so sweet. I love it when it's the guy trying to like I, I love it when you get to see the guy's perspective, and I mm-hmm. love it. I love the fact that they're reading romances to help themselves. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I think it's precious. That was kind of what, um, in Take a Hint, Danny Brown, uh, Zephyr, he would read romance novels. And he said it was kind of to help get in touch with his emotions. But also, in doing so, it kind of gave him an insight into, you know, how to treat women. But then Danny said it made him have unrealistic expectations of love. And so mm-hmm. it was, it was an in- interesting uh, thing t- to read about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of wanted to be like, Chris, you never fought anyone for me. What's right. what's wrong. What's wrong with you? Right. Although knowing Chris be like, who you want me to fight? I'll do it. <laughs> oh my God. I don't want to have to bail you out of jail. Right. That's funny. But yeah. Um, another good, good set of books. Hilariously, I, I've been y'all know I've been reading a ton of romance. I'm getting, I'm kind of getting to the bottom of the barrel of Libby, our library's 
ebook borrowing app. And so I just randomly selected one of the romances, get it checked out, go to Goodreads to update and say I'm reading it. And I had already read it before, like years ago. And I was just like, dear God, this is it. I'm at the bottom. I've I've read all of the books. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But... You are it's been... crushing it, though. You you are on your twentieth book right now. Yes, of twenty of books year. in thirty one days. Yeah, that's incredible. I am very excited, and it's why I haven't tried to like I I read a hundred pages of this sci fi book, and it was really stressing me out, and I could tell that it was kind of affecting. Like it's gonna it was gonna mm-hmm. make me stop reading, and so I was like, I gotta like I'm I'm on a momentum right now. I yeah. gotta ride that sucker out. Yeah. It was like when I did the Black Dagger Brotherhood and did all those books. Yes. This I'm I'm doing exactly what you did last year with Black Dagger. Before that. No, it was two years ago. Yeah. With the Black Dagger. That's exactly what's happening to me. I have the latest Black Dagger Brotherhood book sitting near me now. I need to catch up. Ooh. Um, there's a series that she's writing. And it's something about it's like the Bourbon Brothers, the brother, or, the Bourbon Kings. Yeah, hmm. that I she's was got like, that series. Ooh, interesting. Um, I have it on my list. It's on my list. Um, but yeah, I might have to start into some J.R. Ward. I've been. I'll, I'll be cool. I'll promise. <laughs> Y'all should have seen the face that Tavia <laughs> just made. <laughs> Her eyes like bugged out. But no, I might have to jump on it because I don't. I'm running out of contemporary romances. <laughs> <sighs> I like J.R. because she's a perfect balance of plot and smut mm-hmm. for me. Um, and, you know, I love all things vampires. So that's the Black Dagger Brotherhood was really spectacular for me. And it just got better the longer the series went on. I'm hoping that that might kind of help me dip a toe in back to my favorite genre. Um like, I freaking love fantasy, but I'm scared to try and read something right now. I own most might, of them. Well, I might have to borrow them when I see you next. Um, because, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I don't want to lose what I've got going. Because I'm, like, I'm reading like I did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, and so I'm, but I'm afraid to, like, I've got plenty of books that I could read that I've been wanting to read but I'm afraid to, because what if I, what if it stresses me out and I yeah. have to throw it? <laughs> I just, I don't want to stop. You're going to run out of romance unless you're going to start picking up Harlequin romance novels. <laughs> I mean, there are crap loads of like Regency romances that I could read. And I still have four Bridgerton novels that I could also read. Um, yeah, I stopped. Are you trying to give me a window to squeeze in I, there? I am. Um, but also, like, there's no there's no rush for me to read them all right now. Because, I mean, the show is not even filming season two yet. So I have plenty of time to read them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I am most definitely running out of contemporary romances. Also, I've the been library uh, spamming you with Bridger- Bridgerton humorous things, though. Yes. And yes. Jimmy it's, Fallon's. Uh, it's very good. The Roots did like a remake of the. <laughs> they added lyrics to the theme song. It was funny. Ooh. I sent you that. Remember? Yes. Um. I I've been following the Bridgerton musical on TikTok. And I love that. That's hilarious. She's incredible. Like she's legit turning it into a musical. She's mm-hmm. she's doing the whole thing. I am yeah. 
so excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of other things you're loving, I don't know if we talked about it previously, but the random internet drama as musicals. Oh my god. <laughs> They're hysterical guys. I don't know if you've Living seen them. Living for them. So it's this guy that was on TikTok, and he would randomly find like a, a an internet argument or whatever, and on Facebook, and he would turn it into a song. Well, Jimmy Fallon got word of it, and he worked with the guy, and they did a song. And it's just like, yeah, blue cheese has mold in it. It's like on a constant loop in my head. Blue cheese has mold in it. I'll have to find it on. I'll link it to our. Um, yeah, I was singing it so much the other day that my husband got annoyed (laughs) and he is the king of singing random stupid songs that get stuck in his head so you know it was bad (laughs) I love it so much it gives me life right now I think you said this is what the internet was created for (laughs) it's fantastic (laughs) it's really hysterical it really is oh fine like I would have never thought to have done that. And he's, like, (laughs) so freaking good at it. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. I love him. I now follow him on all of the media. Me too. Yeah, he's so good. I'll have to... I can't even remember his name. That makes me feel so bad. It starts with an L. Yeah. I don't remember if I can pronounce it. I made the letter L in the air. (laughs) (laughs) I was, like, watching a PBS show. (laughs) This segment is brought to you by the letter F <laughs> and also the letter F and U. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what we've been up to. Mm-hmm. Reading smut. I've reading. Had, I've had a crazy books. reading week this week. It was kind of all over the place. Hopefully getting into some. I'm going back to romance uh, this week. Whoa, whoa! But I have a period romance. So I'm really kind of excited about that. Join me. Join me. <laughs> I am uh, in the midst of of another one one of us. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm in the middle of one right now. Tavia was cracking up at me. I let her bar. I let her use my Libby account with our library. (laughs) And she was like, I tried to borrow a book and you have five romances. She's already at the limit. I couldn't (laughs) borrow one. I was like, save some for the rest of us. I'm sorry. It's to be fair, it was an Agatha Christie I wanted to borrow, and I really don't need to, to borrow anymore. No, no, you don't. <laughs> Says the woman that's read 20 romances this year. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. I love Agatha Christie. It's one of my go-tos. And also, you know the murder on the Orient Express? They made the movie with Kenneth Branagh. Well, they're following that up. This year, He's they're releasing murder, uh, Death on the Nile. With Kenneth Branagh again as Hercule Poirot. And I wanted to read this one. I actually own it. But I wanted to hear the audio. That's why I looked on Libby. Um, before it comes out. It was going to come out last year. And then it got pushed back because of COVID. Sure. Um, so it's supposed to come out sometime this year. And I wanted to read the book before it be- I see the movie. Understandable. Uh, that's why I was even looking at it to begin with. Mm. But. Yeah. I told her I would return one if I had to (laughs) there's also a fantastic documentary on PBS that I got to watch called Inside the Mind of Agatha Christie so good there was a book that I just saw Um, it's a fiction book and it covers the days that Agatha Christie randomly went missing Um, because she randomly girl didn't go missing she was hiding was that is that for real yeah I mean, it's contested, but her husband, uh, 
1926, told her that he was in love with another woman and was leaving her. And basically, she goes to a spa and checks in under, like, a spa of the time, like, you know, a fancy hotel. And she checks in under a pseudonym, and she stays there until the media finds her. Oh, see, I from what I've always heard, like... She went missing and then showed up at this place miles and miles away with missing memory. Like, she couldn't remember where yeah. she had been. I mean, that there's dramatized accounts of it. But the most practical account that I've heard is that, you know, she signed in under a pseudonym. Which was her sister's maiden name. Or her sister's married name or something like that. Well, that's not as exciting. No, the Doctor Who episode makes it spectacular, though. Mm-hmm. Fine. Never mind. My bad. I mean, you can still, like, you know, read about it. It's fine. I just ruined it for you. Yeah, I'm done. Well, I mean, in 1926, if my husband told me he was leaving me for a younger woman, I'd probably hide out, too. Especially if I was a world-renowned author. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I'd be like, um, just going to... Just going to disappear for a while. And you could back then. You can't now. You can't just disappear. No. So. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, guys, I hope you have a wonderful reading week. I hope we've given you some books to add to your to-read list. Yes. Um, and we or will talk. Or some books to take off of it. <laughs> Yeah, that too. That too. You're welcome. We're okay. narrowing it down for you guys. So You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> but I highly recommend the Hot and Hammered series, FYI. It does sound good. It is. It's really funny. Like, straight up cat. I'm telling you, like, laughing out loud at some points. It's so funny. Well, that's good. And book one and two has some dirty stuff. <laughs> well... <laughs> That's, You're welcome. That's good. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Well, you guys have a wonderful first week of February. And yes. we will talk with you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.